Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Colin Carter Podcast, live from Salt Lake City, Utah. Bringing you the best, most up-to-date information, technology, parenting, pandemic, corona, chaos. How do we do this as parents? Uh, really excited today about my amazing guest, someone I've known for the last couple of years. Down in the sunny Phoenix, Arizona, uh, on the line for today, my guest is Katie McPherson. Katie is someone I met a couple years ago. We have traveled all around the country speaking to parents and to schools and to everyone who will listen uh, about uh, digital wellness and uh, social media, gaming, technology, uh, raising kids in this crazy new world. And as we're being thrown curveballs left and right every day, we have no idea what we're doing today or tomorrow. I thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring her on and just have a really blunt conversation about the state of the state of kids right now, the state of schools and parenting and uh, like, what should we be doing right now? What are the best things? What should we be avoiding to stop stressing us out and stressing our schools out and our teachers and our friends and, uh, and taking this all piece by piece. So Katie, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Yay. Thanks so much. It's so good to hear your voice again. I haven't seen you in a while. It's been way too long. We were crushing it there for a while. We were out all over the place, hitting major metropolises like Boise, Idaho, and <laughs> and and Brighton, Utah, and all these places. And then some little virus is like, no one's going to do anything at all unless you work at Walmart or a hospital. And that's where we're at now, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. we were chatting right before you got on. Uh, real quick, I mean, most people follow me know who you are. If not, introduce yourself just for a second. Uh, and uh, let's uh, start talking a little bit about this whole new crazy thing we're dealing with, right? So, Yeah. So I'm a mom of four girls, ages currently 11, 11, 13, and 14. I've been an educator for 24 years now. Um, 20 of those I spent on a high school or middle school campus. I did a short little stint in elementary, but um, kind of my vibe are tweens and teens. And about four years ago, I left the public school campus because I was so frustrated with what was going on with our kids' devices. And I was handing out like 1,500 laptops with no safety solution on them. And kids were doing wacky things. So... I went on the road to do some consulting, and then I met up with you a couple of years ago. We traveled around the country, and so I think I'm a digital wellness consultant. I think that's I like my that current yeah. kind of title. Um, so yeah, this is my jam. And and uh, before Corona and before COVID, it was a lot of in person, face to face, going to schools, talking to. I would go in and talk to and uh, the you know the the students and get them jazzed up, and then you would talk to the administrators, and then we both tag team talk to the parents. And uh, man, that was a lot of fun. I can't believe the first one was like just like on the dot two years ago when I found you on Facebook yeah. and said, Hey, you talk about this. I got a whole bunch of families that want to learn more. And I, I have like five minutes prepared. Could you come talk? And you were gracious <laughs> enough to come up and, and that was fun. And then seeing, like 3000 people showed up that night. It was fun seeing like, people standing in the hallways. Yeah. And you're like, wait, usually when we do these like parent nights, there's like eight parents and it's always the same ones. Yeah. And like two of them, like don't even have kids there. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so so with this whole virus and everything's been shut down and like, holy crap, curveballs like left and right. Like everyone is like every, we're on like month two of this 
And I feel like every morning I wake up and like, it's like, A, I wake up in a panic. B, I quickly go like pull up my phone and see like, is our president still alive? Is the government still functioning? Like, are, are have we been invaded? Are, is there a cure? Like it's, there's so many of these like unknowns and parents are freaking out and everyone seems like they're freaking out and like no one knows where, what's right information, what's not. Well, that's a whole different podcast. Uh, but I think what we want to talk about here to kick this off is we have kids that are going through this too, that are like so many of them are dealing with this and they're just, their whole lives are being thrown a curveball and schools and everything. And we're, I think so many of us are so focused on our own issues with work and like us as parents dealing with this, like our kids are getting thrown under the bus and into the closet and this is going to cause some some serious issues. So you've done some uh, a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of talking to people through webcams and screens uh, about pandemic parenting and uh, and dealing with this. So let's kick it off. Your overall thoughts with uh, the state of where we're at right now and uh, and what's going on and and where we're headed uh, in your opinion. Um, well, overall, I think this is the overhaul that education has needed for a long time. I obviously do not want us to be in a global pandemic or for anybody to lose their life um, in order for that to happen. But I think this is a really exciting time. It's a very stressful time, but I think schools are really going to look much different. And I think parents and just general community members just need to be ready to shift and to be open-minded and open-hearted. I'm seeing a lot of stress, obviously, online and people fighting and things getting divisive. But I think if we can stay in a really graceful place and give each other grace, I think this could be something really great. And for me, as a digital wellness person, I think it has done what you and I were trying to do for a long time, is get people to understand that these kids are genius and we've given devices and technology to them. And this is like such a captive opportunity for parents and educators to be watching these kids do what they do best. And that is use technology for good, use it for their learning, create new things and be super innovative. How do you, how do you see, and and it's all unknown and we're being like super hypothetical here, uh, but how do you see things changing in August and July? I mean, you guys in July up here in August, most schools in by September, how do you see things changing going forward in the school system if we don't have a vaccine for this and, and we've got to implement yeah. all this stuff? I think people need to be really, truly prepared. And I'm not just um, basing this on kind of hypothetical. I sit on some task force. I sit on district committees. And we are actively on those committees talking about rolling contingency plans based on obviously CDC guidelines and medical experts and all the things that you're reading. Um, School is not going to look the same. Probably not going to have school assemblies. We're probably not going to have buses looking the same. We're not going to have lunchrooms looking the same. I think we all need to prepare at least for the next six to nine months, minimum. I'm going to say 12 to 18, if we're going to be really honest, Mm -hmm. that nothing's going to look the same and that everybody, again, is going to have to work together. Um, It's not that the educators don't want to let kids go back to school. They are dying inside to get their students back in the school building. But you also have to remember there are lawyers and risk management and compliance people behind the scenes looking out for the school district. 
And so what you're seeing from your school district in a memo about returning to school and anything that follows is also being advised by higher entities and bodies that have experience with risk exposure. And all of this is huge liability and risk exposure for any school district. So even if you're a principal that's like, you know what, I think this virus is not as bad. We have low cases in Arizona. I'm going to open up and let my kids back. You also, your hands are tied and bound by the state health department, the governor, and the CDC. And so even if a school district wants things to look the same, they can't. They just can't. Because uh, what what school superintendent would love to deal with this lawsuit of opening schools too early and a kid getting contracted or a teacher, uh, a beloved uh, janitor or lunch lady uh, because they opened too early and then they got sick and died. That's that's something yeah. I don't think that any anyone wants to deal with, let alone a whole school district and. And that's right. the problem right now is there's so much, there's nowhere to get right information. Like I, that's the, I think that's our big problem is no one feels like they can trust anyone because no one knows there's no, like, I mean, the CDC and, and who WHO and from the you coming out of the administration and from schools, it's just like, there's no one hub for accurate, real information to make decisions on that impact all of us. And, uh, and so I think there's like, even, even if the ex, quote unquote experts said, everything's safe, let's go back to school. You're going to have half this country that's going to be saying, wait a second, but I watched this YouTube video. Hold on. Let me find the link. It got blocked. Hold on. Let me find another one. Oh, that one's blocked too. Hold on. Okay. Here's one that works still. You know, this says this, I, it's just, it feels like the divisiveness is what's going to be our undoing here. Uh, and so my next, my next question for you, cause we're, we're talking to, you know, obviously we're talking about kids and parenting and how to deal with all this stuff. What, in your opinion, what are parents for the most part doing right, right now? Those parents that have found a routine and a schedule that works are doing it right. Those parents that have given up the screen time battle and have recognized that, oh, they're actually using screens for good and they're producing some, you know, what we call digital vegetables versus digital candy. Those parents are doing it right. Um, Parents that are being honest with their children and sitting them down and saying, School in August is going to look a little different. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but I'll keep you updated. I think parents that are sitting down in front of the TV and watching news with their children and having kids look at different media sources and saying, okay, I want you to go back check what Fauci said on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. And I want you to report back to me what all three outlets reported And teaching them about that digital literacy, I think that's a fantastic opportunity to be a great parent. And I think just sitting in a ditch with our kids, like we sat our kids down the other day and every single one of us at the table was crying. The girls were crying, (laughs) we were crying, and we were crying for different reasons. But, you know, the kids want to go back to school and we want them back in school, but we also want it to be safe. And so just that anxiety level, I think... Good parents recognize that anxiety is a protective factor, that anxiety is protecting you from the unknown. And once you acknowledge, like, this is totally uncertain and unknown and we're going to get it, we're going to get through this together. I think if you can frame for little and big kids and yourself, this is a comma, not a period. Mm -hmm. I think that we can have a better framework because right now everybody is thinking there's some finality to this. 
and it's just a season. It's a season of uncertainty. It's horrible because people are dying and we're worried about can kids get it. It's like riddled with anxiety. Mm -hmm. But if you can reframe it as a parent, as a comma, not a period, and be consistent about that messaging with your kids, I think that's the best we can do at this point. On the flip side question now, and it's okay because we're not shaming and we're all parents. We've all, we've all, we're, we're all making mistakes every day. Uh, what do you see? What are parents doing wrong or right now? Or what, what uh, are things parents really should be avoiding doing right now as they parent kids through this crisis? I think if you're feeling anxious, you need to look at your own social media use and your own news use and maybe turn those things off or put them on a smaller balance because I think especially as a female, our brains ruminate and we get all wound up and then we look at comment threads and you get sucked into this vortex. So I think really being clear and putting boundaries and parameters around your own screen time use and what outlets you're watching is important. Um, I think too, going down the rabbit hole of like the whole world is ending and allowing your kids to see that probably not the best move. And then again, on the screen time thing with devices, you still have to protect your kids and you still have to be smart about screen time. And so we are all exhausted, but if you allow devices in bedrooms and bathrooms and in darkness, you're still opening your child up to dangers. And I don't care if they're, nine or 17, we still have that right and that duty to protect. And so I think some parents are like, it's a pandemic. I'm just going to let them scroll on devices. They'll be fine. I'm still getting calls. You're still getting calls and messages about really dangerous stuff that's going down and really stressful things that are going down. And so I think being diligent about that and not just letting it go because it's a pandemic is a really important thing to remember. Yeah. I've, I saw someone post this and I think I shared it. Uh, someone said, there's going to be two types of people that come out of this, of this pandemic, those who thrived and those who got on TikTok. And uh, I, I think it's, that's not, that's not bad. It's how many adults are getting, getting on there yeah. doing the stupid dances yeah. and whatnot. Now screen time, you, yeah. you, we talk about this a lot and I'm very, our family, we have four kids too, uh, pretty close to your ages. We're pretty low tech and I'm going to be honest. Uh, we don't do iPads and we don't do smartphones. Uh, we have, you know, my oldest has a gab phone, so it just calls, texts and stuff. But uh, I'll be honest, like TV and Disney plus, I don't really care right now. I, uh, yeah. If the kids are watching Disney Plus, if they're on there watching stuff in the morning and do at night, we love sitting around watching The Voice or watching Songland. Um, I when I read articles and there are these articles written by quote experts who are like, let your kids do whatever they want. Ten hours a day in Fortnite's not going to be a big deal. Give them their phones as much as you want. You just got to handle your own crises as a parent. Those ones make me cringe because I know what kids are going to do. Like you said, with the doors shut, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, when the lights are out. Because it's the same thing we would do as parents too. If we had smartphones right now, we were their age, I'd be doing the same thing. Um, But I cringe when I hear that that type of screen time, like you said, there's a whole difference with hanging out, watching a movie, watching Moana with your kids versus giving them an iPad, letting them stay in their bedroom and looking at who knows what. And we've seen the articles with increases in sexual predators. I mean, this is like Candyland, Disneyland time for, you know, bad guys. They know the kids are on their screens. They know their alarm are way more unsupervised than ever before. And I'm sure there's stuff we could find. I've been, I've seen some articles talk about that, but 
um, and you have your four kids and, and, uh, what with the technology and I know you're a busy mom and you're working hard. And so it's hard to stay on top of everything you're doing. What do you do to protect your kids? What are the stuff you use on their phones just to make sure that they're not coming across this garbage and that of course, and then the time spent is being monitored that it's not, you know, 20 hours a day screen time. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, and we talk about this during our keynote, like there's so many good tools out there. So we have a really great router. I'm a big fan of Eero, E-E-R-O. It kind of does the job for us. So we don't have to worry about explicit content coming into the house. We can remotely shut down devices. We can remotely shut down the entire network. So our gig during the regular school year is devices go up at 8 p.m., Wi-Fi goes off at 8.30 in zone one, two, and three. So the router does the work for us. So I would always encourage looking into great routers that are open mesh networks that don't slow down your Wi-Fi because obviously you need that for work. Um, another tool that I'm a huge fan of is BARC for families. BARC, it, yeah. Um, uses AI, which is artificial intelligence, to run algorithms on your kids' phones, their social media, their gaming platforms. So you sync your phone to their iPad or device. If they have something like Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, Xbox, you know, any of the things that most children are on, um, it will run algorithms and alert you if something is going south quickly. And some of the categories that they cover are cyberbullying, predation, exploitation, sexting, drugs, alcohol, self-harm, suicidal ideation. So if, for example, Chloe says, today's the day I'm going to do it, I'm going to cut myself, and you have Bark running an algorithm on her phone, the parent would get the alert, and then the parent can decide what kind of conversation they're going to have with Chloe. And so for me, it's a smoke alarm. It's an opportunity for a conversation for a hundred little talks that will happen from that point on. And it just gives you kind of a pulse of not only how your own child's doing, but how the friendship group is doing. And so I never encourage parents to use a tool like Bark. And there are many, the GoGuardian, QStudio, there's so many on the market, but I'm a current fan of Bark for Families. Um, I never encourage parents to use tools like that as a gotcha, like, oh, I want to see their deleted text and I want to read everything they're saying. Bark doesn't read everything they're saying. Yeah. It does the work for you and only alerts you to what you need to know about based on what you've told Bark to monitor. So if you have a nine-year-old, you can turn it on super tight and say, I want to know in all of these categories how she's doing. If you have a 17-year-old and the only thing you're really worried about at this point is sexting, predation, and exploitation, and distress, then those are the categories you will be alerted to. So I've had many middle and high school parents say to me, I love Bark, but it keeps alerting me to every swear word that their friends send them. How do I turn this off? Well, you just turn off the profanity category. If that's something you don't want to confront every time it happens, you have the opportunity to do that. So for me, I need a smoke alarm. I want to know how my kids are doing, but I don't need to know every single word that they're saying or that they're receiving. I just want to have an overall view of the wellness of our children. I love that. I, I love when I hear parents uh, message and talk to me and ask questions, say things like, oh, well, you know, this app, does it allow me to read all my kids' deleted texts? Does it allow me to read everything that they've said or deleted or shared? And I get the idea of wanting to make sure your kids are safe and not going to hurt themselves or others. Uh, but 
Can you imagine if all of our parents now we're talking like, you know, us uh, Gen X or millennials, whatever. Can you imagine us if our parents could listen to every conversation we ever have with all of our friends ever? I mean, 90% of these kids conversation now are through phones and the parents want to be able to read every sentence. Like I, I almost am at the point now where I feel like this, this is a, a way, this is an, an inv- not just an invasion of privacy, but what benefit does it give parents to know every single word that your kids are saying back and forth to each well, other. Not healthy. Like I would never the only time I would advise a parent to be that vigilant is if you have a child that is special ed, yeah. that is ADHD, that has a propensity for violence or impulsive behavior. That's the only time I would advise somebody to really have a lockdown on every single word they're saying. And I would advise in that same conversation perhaps this child cannot handle this medium. We already know that adults can't handle the social media medium. So the only time I would advise, you know, reading the leader text and things like that is if the level of trust is so low, but you still want to provide friendship and communication, that's really the only time I can see having a tool like that. What are your thoughts on uh, kids having uh, phones in the bedroom nighttime um, you know, taking it to their bed and then staying up till one, two o'clock in the morning, sometimes scrolling through TikTok. Yeah. I, I actually was on a webinar last night and got that big question and I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm not a fan. Like I remember a cyber crimes detective telling me 15 years ago, the computer and the phone should be in the home where the carpet is most worn, meaning it has to be in an yeah. open space. And Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes talks about the toxic trio, boredom, bedrooms and bathrooms and darkness. Like it's never a good combo. And we have a lot of kids right now who are staying up till two, three, four in the morning and then sleeping until 12 or one. They're kind of like vampires. And so I'm not a fan of having devices in the bedroom. I always advise having a central charging station. And again, I don't, I really don't care if he's 17, he still needs good sleep. And so when we look at those sleep studies that you and I have spoken about in our keynote, you know, over 70% of U.S. teens before COVID-19 were getting less than six hours of sleep. And so it does correlate to wellness, to obesity, to anxiety, depression, and self-harm. So getting those phones out of the bedroom uh, and the devices, this, the sleep, I've, I've noticed even my 13-year-old, now we've, we've done the best we can parenting her, and we've had very good schedules since she was a baby. Uh, but I'm starting to notice her sleep cycle's changing. I mean, she's ending eighth grade and wanting to stay up later and sleeping a little bit more. And I know parents freak out. I get messages from parents saying that my son's staying up till midnight or one in the in the morning and sleeping in. He's so lazy and just you know those words come out. I'm like, is he lazy or is this kind of what teenagers are? And uh, and I, I was reading this book about sleep and didn't even know that the teenage brain has a kind of different sleep cycle. Uh, than we do as adults where they're wanting to stay up later. It's just kind of how they're, how they're wired. Have you, have you studied or learned anything about them? I mean, all of that is hormonal um, and it happens for women around 45 as well. So the circadian rhythm for boys, especially like I always have boy, boy moms and dads say like, what is the deal? He cannot fall asleep. He keeps saying he can't fall asleep. He needs to watch YouTube or music or whatever. And certainly you can have things like an Alexa with parental controls for music and um, audiobooks if that's something they need to fall asleep to. But 
All of that is true, and it's the reason that a lot of schools have looked at late start because the team brain is developing so quickly and the hormones are raging. So that is a true thing. I mean, it really is a neuroscientific principle that a lot of us kind of dismiss. And so I would say that's supernatural. Um, Some books on that topic I think that would be helpful my newest favorite is called Decoding Boys by Kieran Natterson. And then um, the other one that I like on the Friends of Girls um, and just both genders is Middle School Matters. And she has a whole section in there about changing bodies and how it relates to behavior and sleep patterns. There's been a couple school districts, uh, I know at least here in Utah where I live, and I know you're down in Arizona, but a couple school districts up here, even the last few months before COVID, have passed, I don't know if it's a bill in the school or whatever they call it, but have decided uh, late starts and pushing back first period to not this 7.15 a.m. start for seniors and juniors, uh, but more like a 9 o'clock start or, or some schools are looking at no tests before 10 a.m. Uh, because stuff like that. Do you, see, do you see schedule changes and not just even schedule changes or maybe maybe even just like a decrease in overall pressure being put on kids when we get back into the quote unquote normalcy of going back to school? I do. I think we're going to be looking at a hybrid kind of rolling contingency plan where maybe half the seventh grade goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the other half, like say from eight to 11 and then the rest, they disinfect the building. And then the rest of the seventh grade comes from like 12 to four and then Tuesday, Thursday, everyone's home during distance learning. I think distance learning is going to look a lot better. What we've been doing, I would call emergency remote teaching, where like fifth grade teachers have to shove all their content online. This summer, they will have the opportunity to create lessons that are deeper and richer in content, and they will do what we call true blended learning. So I think schedules are going to look different. Content's going to be richer. I think the kicker is going to be what happens between September and December with the regular flu season and then how this COVID-19 mutates. And that will dictate what schedules and pressure look like. But we're never going back to the academic rigor and pressure that were on kids before, ever. And colleges have already started to recognize that and have eased their standards you know, the ACT and SAT, the AP exams were all taken online. Like everybody in the college world has also begun begun the shift. And that is the reason K through 12 had so much pressure on it. So for me, I am terming this entire thing, the big exhale. And I think it's a super exciting time to be open to new possibilities. I've heard a lot of parents too that are taking this opportunity to express their desire to homeschool their kids now. I don't know if you see a lot of people talking about that. Facebook posting, yeah, oh, I, I can't do this online stuff. We're going to get in the RV and I'm going to take all five kids and we're going to just, what are, you, what are your thoughts to the parent who's just fed up with trying to be a, a teacher right now? And Because when people yeah. hate change, they get afraid of change. And when they get afraid, what do they do? They go on Facebook and bloviate how they feel. Yeah. Sometimes it comes off in weird ways. But what, what are your thoughts on parents who are, who are saying, there's no way the school system is going to be able to rebound from this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with change. Maybe we'll just throw my kids in homeschool or things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think to each his own, I've had random thoughts of grabbing an RV and going on the road. I think it'd be really exciting. But I think we need to go back to what we know about child development, and that is they need their peer group, they need their classmates, they need interaction, they need play. 
So as much as it sounds like an awesome idea to take off and do that, um, I think you could do that for four to six weeks and it'd be an amazing opportunity for your family. But the reality is those peer connections and that peer support, I think, is just crucial for life, for their future, for their wellness, for their mental health. I, I don't think anything is as valuable as friendship and connection with like-minded peers and the same age kiddos. So as much as it sounds like a great idea to homeschool and go on the road, I'm not sure that's going to work for everyone. And so I do think maybe you do that for a short period of time and you give the schools a chance to catch up. I mean, I feel so deeply, I literally cried and I'm not a crier. I cried this morning for my fellow educators because I'm watching them get hammered online. And I was so sad for them because they are parents, they are grandparents. They have been doing this job for a long time and, and they want your kid to graduate and have the graduation ceremony. And they want your kindergartner to enter in July or August and have that, you know, elation. Mm -hmm. There's not one administrator who's laying awake at night saying, you know, I don't want this to happen. So I think if people are just a little more patient, um, they will see the schools rebound. And and not only rebound, but come out on the other side looking even better than we ever have. How can parents uh, support schools through this? What 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 we know what parents shouldn't be doing, which is going on you know Facebook groups and screaming how mad they are. Uh, about yeah. this because they didn't I, I wasn't I, I love seeing these posts they drive me insane the people I, I you never told me my kids were going to take this much work and I mean I'm just, I just don't get it uh, what what could parents what should we be doing as, as a parent as a community as a village to support our schools through all this I think just constant messaging like it wouldn't take much to email your principal and be like, I'm thinking of you. Thank you for everything you've done. Your teachers, your bus drivers, your custodians, like especially those, um, you know, classified staff who aren't getting the love right now, who are not being paid right now, who are applying for unemployment. I'm not sure how you connect with them, but I bet your principal could help. But really remembering like even the strongest of principals, the strongest of school guidance counselors, the strongest of teachers, they are struggling too. And I think they put on a good front for us, but I've had people reach out to me. You know, I do, I, I'm a helper for a living and I've had people reach out and say, how are you doing? And it just means so much yeah. because there are days that I'm not doing well. And that means the world that somebody would think like, Hey, Katie's licensed in this and she knows what she's doing, but is she okay? Yeah. And so I think just extending kindness, even through the summer months, like, I don't know exactly how you do that maybe gift cards via email and then checking and making sure they got the gift card and it didn't go to spam. Um, I think just extending kindness and constant support. And then if you are an advocate in your community, if you are a mom or dad who has a voice or you want to have a voice, like get on Facebook and be like, Hey, don't forget the teachers and administrators this summer. They need our love too. And come up with fun campaigns where you're driving by their house and giving them a rock concert, <laughs> you know, you're showcasing talent or bringing the kids together to sing a song for them. Like they, they need love. They are going to need love to get through this. I, I swear when I saw our kids school do a parade of all the teachers and they had all their cars decorated, I, w I remember watching, I was just smiling. We were there honking. My kids were out waving. And I was like, even this, like <laughs> these people are trying to, their whole career has changed. We don't pay them nearly enough. 
Most people are pretty mad about everything and they still found time to spend hours and their own money to decorate the cars just to honk at our kids to say they care. It's just right. like how, how, and yeah. I love seeing communities posts about how they're doing that for the schools. Uh, my, we, are, we have a kindergarten teacher who lives across the street uh, who we love. And, uh, and one morning of, was it last week was teacher appreciation week. Um, there was a couple moms out front and they were sticking stuff in the ground. And so, you know, I walk over there cause I'm nosy and I was like, Hey, what, what's, what are you guys doing? Like, Oh, well, she's our kid's teacher. And what they had done is they took, they had gotten like full face size photos of all of her students, blown them up and then cut them out and put them on sticks and lined them up facing the door spread out as if in the exact same way, the class they were sitting in class. And so when uh, the mom, when Angie came out, she opens her front door and like all of her classes sitting there face photos up on the grass, like looking at her. I, I didn't, I had to leave to go do something, but I was like, I bet she's just sitting there crying her eyes out. Um, because as much as, you know, we think that teachers sometimes hate their students, they love them and they're the best people ever. But uh, I, I, I want to see more community. I, I, I think one of this great things with this pivot we're going to do is uh, is it's a it's exposing what problems we had and there's so many problems we had and people are talking about those problems and how things were broken and we don't want to go back to normalcy. Um, if anything, I hope what comes out of this is just a bigger desire to be a village and a community again. Uh, that's where that's what I miss so much about growing up when I did. And I know you do when parents get nostalgic. Remember when we used to grow up and the kids would go out and play and you, your neighbors outside and you could just let them go do stuff. And now I, in the last two months, I have seen more people walking around with their kids playing outside than I even knew. We've been in this house 13 years that I have a whole, I have neighbors. I didn't even know had kids. I'm like, wait a second. They're all playing baseball. Like I didn't know they had people live in this house. Uh, and playing and hanging out with each other, like going back to the village concept where it's not us for, it's not, it's always us versus everyone else and to hooray for us and to hell with everyone else. Like that has to change and, and be more of a community again here and get back on supporting and realizing that none of us have a clue what we're doing. We're all just figuring this out as we go. And as much as we want to make everyone do our jobs for us, like we got to step up. And if you don't like something, go fix it yourself, right? Don't don't wait for anyone else yeah. to do this for you. Don't stop waiting. One thing I know, I, I talked to a therapist, this uh, gal who is a an adult therapist, and she said, "Calling him exhausted." She's like, "I'm like, what is it? Is it kids you're dealing with?" She's like, "No." She's like, "I have never had more parents just stressed out with the fact that now their kids are home." Uh, they spent the last five, four, eight, 12 years of their lives carting them from one caregiver to another extracurricular activity to another, to another, to another, where they didn't have to parent, have to do anything. They have to entertain their kids or spend time with them. Then now their kids are home all the time. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle yeah. doing this. Uh, and so forcing parents and communities to have to be a parent and have to be a villager, I think, I hope, I hope we all come out of this happy. I, I, I don't want to see a civil war. I mean, I want, to, I want to see a big, a big kumbaya, you know, Woodstock come out of this whole problem. Yeah, no, I think, I think if we can keep our head on straight and if we can continue to be kind, and if you don't like something your school district's doing or you don't agree with it, really getting your mind right and less anxious before you fire up an email or make a Facebook post. I think that would be super helpful. That would help all of us continue to discern the village and come together and be able to do that. 
Last question I want uh, to ask you, because I hear this a lot from parents. What, what do you say to the mom, dad, parents stressed out about keeping up with these schedules and keeping up with these home, the homework? We and In our house, I told my kids, I said, listen, like I honestly don't care right now if you get straight A's. I don't really care if you do the 118 assignments you haven't done yet that are due in a week. Um, my six-year-old, a first grader, was uh, he's turned seven, was crying, like lip quiver. I'm like, what's going on, buddy? And he's like, I have 118 assignments. And half of them are just messages he has to just watch from his teacher. Um, what do you say to the parents that are stressed out about keeping up on these schedules and these assignments and and making sure that their kids still gets the Sterling Scholar Award online or the whatever it's going to be called uh, to the point where it's affecting how they parent and it's affecting their family and the relationships with their kids? I would say sort of throw it out out the window. Like the the most important thing right now is that your child is healthy, safe, and emotionally and socially well. And so this summer is a prime opportunity to do that when we start back up again and have assignments coming in. I think you need to get really clear about what's your desired outcome. Like are you demanding all A's and B's from your high schooler? Are you demanding all A's from your fourth grader? Whatever that looks like for your family. I think our expectations still need to be high. But if we are still doing online emergency remote teaching and that rich content, I think you have to get really clear with what what's my end goal. Is my end goal that she exits this as an excellent reader? Or is my end goal that she learns the skills that she needs and I help out along the way? I think we have to really be clear about our expectations. And if the schedule is not working, just be super fluid with it. Like modify and adjust. That's what we do as teachers. We're constantly modifying our content and adjusting our expectations based on what students are doing and how well they're doing. So as parents, we need to be fluid and modifying and adjusting as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for everything that you do uh, and not just your community, but online for the whole world to see. And and I don't know how you manage with raising your four daughters and raising everyone else's daughters and sons in the East Valley down there. But hopefully we can yeah. get back to, uh, quote, a better normal, you know, with the great exhale, yeah. the great pivot, the great whatever it's whatever we're calling this thing. The tw- vision yeah. is, our vision's 2020. I've heard all these like, gimmick well, and bumper and stickers. I love that you just, yeah, I love that you just said the word pivot because I jokingly said like this PIVOT, this is what the pandemic means to me, but I had to pivot. And so have you and everybody else I know, like you, you have to get to a place in your mind. And that's what I want for our kids too. Like we're pivoting together. You're pivoting separately from me as a child. I'm pivoting as your parent, but we're going to pivot as a family together and we're going to make the best of this giant comma. And I think if people can keep that pivot in mind, we're going to be okay. I love how you said that. I'm going to say that as soon as I leave here to go tell my kids, this is not a period. This is just a, it's comma. a comma. It's a gigantic <laughs> comma. Big fat comma. And there's comma. a biblical reference to that that I won't go into, but to, I heard it during an Easter sermon and he was talking about, you know, this is just, this, is, this was just a comma and it wasn't finality and, you know, Jesus came again. And so I think that's something to keep in mind too is this is just a comma, not a period. Just a comma, not a period. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play off some music here. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. If you want to find out more information on Katie McPherson, she publishes great content on her Facebook page. Just uh, search Katie McPherson, K A T E Y McPherson. Um, uh, she just did an amazing class on pandemic parenting. You can check that out too. Uh, and if anything from this, it's the great comma. So let's do better as parents. Thank you so much for joining, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>